0: Blog Talk Radio.
1: And I'm Leo, and tonight we have our special guest with us, Larry Dorman, He'll be joining us shortly and um we'll be talking tonight about a whole bunch of different things uh we'll be asking about um <clears throat> presidential candidates uh you know unions who's who the union supporting on these things and what's going on uh nationally and locally uh statewide talking to soon. So uh, while we do that um while we call him, uh, we will uh, we'll read
0: something. Well, um, after a temporary victory on trade for retirees last week, the House of Representatives brought up a trade promotion authority again. That's we'll get
1: back to that after Larry, if that Larry answers here.
0: US house, and that's kind of upsetting to people. Your call has been forwarded to an automatic voice message system. Eight six zero nine eight nine nine two one seven is not available. At the tone, please record your message. When you have finished recording, you may hang up or press one for more options.
1: Hey Larry, it's uh, Leo and Lila. We're calling from the show. Uh, if you want to call back, it's 646-915-9505. We look forward to talking to you here. Uh, thanks. And uh, I know he has a couple
0: of numbers. Yes. Did you call well, him? Less on than one, one number. He wanted, we were going to call him.
1: Oh, okay. Uh, okay. There he is. Ah. Yes. That was no. quick. No? I, just, I dropped that call because, you know, I had no reason to call back. Uh, he must something must have tied up because he said he'd be available at uh, 8 o'clock. So anyway, uh, what I wanted to do before uh, today or tonight is there's, there's a whole bunch of news that I wanted to talk about, and uh, hopefully Larry will uh, be able to
0: join us in a little while. Well, I was just talking about the fast track passes the U.S. power. Correct. That's a good one. And apparently they attached it. They used a special maneuver to ensure, ensure the Trade Adjustment Assistance Act was attached to a must-pass appropriations bill. So the vote passed 218 to 208, with 28 Democrats voting in favor of TPA or Fast Track, which would enable President Obama to negotiate the Trans-Pacific Partnership trade deal without open and full debate. And it's very upsetting, I think, to have that happen. And. There must have been a way around it. I don't know why those um, 28 Democrats would vote in favor of that.
1: When well, you know I mean, it's
0: really bad for working Americans. Oh, Because
1: they know what it means. It's it um, really sad. They,
0: they, they now, I don't know what's going to happen because of that. Obama just paid them off somehow. Yeah. That's what it is. But anyway. Okay, they just tricked uh, something. Yeah. Of course of course, of course,
1: um, a lot of interesting things up here tonight that um uh, I'm checking back and forth to see if uh Larry might be joining us here soon, uh but um, in the meantime uh, oddly enough this this uh, uh, uh so, much, so much so much stuff um. Hollowed out. Why the economy doesn't work without a strong middle class? That's true. Because there's um, nobody
0: to buy any goods. That's right. That's right. Um, there's and, no uh, one to use the, to go to the movie. There's no one, there's to, buy no the one the to buy the popcorn. Right. If you don't have a strong middle class, you don't you, you don't, don't you have, don't a, have you don't have vibrant. You don't have any vibrancy in your economy. You, you just don't. Sure. And.
1: You know, oh, it's kind of weird. But anyway, for the past several decades, politicians and economists thought that high levels of inequality were good for the economy. But because the middle class is now so weak, America's economy suffers from the kinds of problems that plague less developed countries. Privileged elites, privileged elites, are more frequently secure special treatment from a government that wastes money and stif- stifles competition. Children's Children's uh, opportunities
0: opportunities are excessively determined by the wealth of their parents. In other words, uh, they can afford to go to a private university, but a middle-class kid would have trouble even paying a public university tuition. Societal distrust has increased, making business transactions needlessly difficult. Consumer demand has weakened and become unstable, which helped fuel the Great Recession and has made the recovery painfully slow. As Holladout explains, to have a strong and sustainable growth, the economy needs to work for everyone and grow from the middle out. This new thinking has the potential to supplant trickle-down economics. Well, the trickle-down economics theory didn't work because they kept it all for themselves. Well, the theory
1: that was so wrong about inequality in our economy uh, and shaped economic policy for generations. Hollowed out build
0: upon the path
1: of breaking article
0: uh, David Madeline wrote for the journal Democracy in twenty eleven.
2: Uh, that, uh, yeah, uh, okay, that.
0: Yeah, okay. that as Michael let me just read that. That as Michael Tomaski noted in the Daily Beast was one of the very first pieces about middle out economics and has been instrumental in turning the tide against trickle down economics. Let's we'll see if we if Larry has called in. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: Right. You know what, let me try calling him again, just in case something came up. And
0: we'll give him another call. Yeah. happens sometimes. Uh, yeah, he's in a meeting. Or something. And he'll call us when he's.
1: For those of you who just joined us, we're trying
0: to call Larry. Your call has been forwarded to an automatic voice message system. 8 6. Yeah, he's still. He must be at a meeting. He's probably tied up. So let's just let's just continue on. A, yeah. and, and maybe uh, he'll give us a call when he's free. It says, When will we learn
2: uh, this is based that on an us.
0: economy that just works for the wealthy just doesn't work? David Madlin, one of the nation's wisest young scholars, explains with clarity and eloquence why trickle-down economics can't keep its promise of rapid growth and why a more just economy will provide better results for everyone. This is a truly important book that should shape our debate for many years to come. Uh, let's see. David, Mar- David Madeline Marshall's reams of data, economic analysis, and social science to make a deeply persuasive case for middle class economics. Yeah, Not only. I, as, I, I, let I, I, me just finish. Yeah, okay. Not only as a means. Uh, let's see. Go down. go down. Not only as a means of achieving sustainable, equitable economic growth. Growth, but the absolutely crucial foundation of American society. I mean, I think it's really important.
1: No, I agree with you fully, but it sounds so more as a, as a some kind of a senior thesis there for.
0: Well, it just uh, makes. I wasn't,
1: I wasn't overly impressed. Well, I'm it ready. just
0: makes really good sense.
1: Yeah, no, it does. It's common sense. Yeah, it's common sense. But anyway, uh, it didn't get into any, any, any extraordinary detail of, you know, how unions improve the lives of every worker. There we go. Oh, God. There's nothing to impose. No, put out anything good about anything. Let's see. Yeah, here we go. It is well established that union members earn substantially more than non-union workers, $207 more a week on the average, and are more likely to have health care coverage and solid pensions. What is less well-known are the advantages that unions provide for all workers, not just those who belong to unions.
0: It's a fact. We've been creating pathways to the middle class for American workers for more than a century, not only in the higher pay that all workers get, whether they're union or not, in areas where unions are strong, but also in rights and protection that we have fought to have enshrined in law. On June 25th, we celebrate the 77th anniversary of the Fair Labor Standards Act,
2: a landmark
0: law. Whoops, well, an ad right in the middle of our reading yeah. here. Uh, see, a landmark law signed by President Franklin D. Roosevelt. It introduced the eight-hour day, the 40-hour week, and time-and-a-half payment for overtime work beyond 40 hours. It also established a national minimum wage and outlawed oppressive child labor. Roosevelt and his Secretary of Labor, Francis Perkins, didn't just pull these labor standards out of thin air. Unions fought for every one of them going back to the 19th 19th century. And they didn't come easily as the corporate class kicked and screamed about the adverse impact of providing protection for the nation's workers. President Roosevelt, in one of his famed fireside chats on the radio the night before signing the law, warned, do not let any calamity-howling executive, with an income of $1,000 a day tell you that a wage of $11 a week is going to have a disastrous effect on all American industry. Sound familiar? These days, the calamity-howling executives who make $7,000 an hour are complaining about a minimum wage of $10.10 or $15 an hour, advocated by the White House and unions, respectively. For the record, every time a CEO complains that paying workers a living wage means they'll have no choice but to lay off workers, remember that he's announcing he'd rather cut jobs and weaken our nation's economy. Than cut even a dollar of his own multi-millions or multi-billions in profit. That's true. Um, so,
1: uh, I wrote earlier about the efforts of labor and the progressive allies to pass the long stalled Paycheck Fairness Act. That's the, the latest efforts to close loopholes that allow for women and men to be paid equally. Unions have been at the forefront of the fight for equal pay for all workers for decades. And additionally, unions in 1966 won provisions to cover every or even more workers under the Fair Labor Standards Act, and in 1967 to prohibit
0: employment discrimination based on age. We haven't always won against the business interests who keep trying to roll back these rights and protections. In 1985, during the Reagan administration state and local governments were permitted to offer comp time in lieu of overtime. And in 2004, President Bush was able to get a business provision that exempted employees from union from minimum wage and overtime requirements. Well, <clears throat> excuse me, low-level supervisors were reclassified as executives, losing their overtime rights. That's like everybody at McDonald's is a manager. Yeah. Undeterred, we will continue advocating for improvements to labor laws that affect millions of workers, whether they're in a union or not. We are supporting President Obama's Healthy Families Act, which would add paid, let's say,
1: sick leave to the mm-hmm. FLSA uh, for employers with at least 15 employees. And we are determined to extend FLSA, Family Leave and Sick Act protections, to Um uh, Home care and child care workers who are uh, too long disrespected and unprotected by the
0: law some so, some that. politicians try to divide and conquer. That's a direct quote from Wisconsin Governor Scott Walker, a likely presidential candidate pitting union and non union workers against each other. But the history of the Fair Labor Standards Act shows that labor understands that we are all in this together, and if you're organized, you can make life better for all workers. That's why women and men in unions will continue to lead the way, fighting for rights and protection for all workers. The more workers who join us, the stronger we are, the better off we all will be. Okay. Let's see if oh, we yeah. get a call. Yeah. Check and see. Oh. Oh, I, guess, oh, I guess he really sidetracked He must yeah, have gotten yeah. really sidetracked. Yeah. We're just talking about our guest, Larry Dorman, who wanted us call him shortly after 8, but he didn't pick up. Sometimes things happen. It's it's never it's, nothing is ever fixed in stone. and so he may call us in a little while. So let's that, just keep yeah, going. He's been on meetings and stuff mm. yeah, He's, he's like, a busy man and we're lucky to have him on the show. Yeah,
2: yeah.
0: So anyway. Um where are we Uh
1: uh. Okay. This right. one down to hang you know, on, folks. I kinda of lost my page.
0: Oh, here's I'm something. Very sorry. Take one second to find it. Um, Six. Here's an interesting but, thing by Cassandra Winters. Six years time. ago, at least 30 two people died in Bagu, I think you say it that way, Peru, during a protest against regulations the government put in place to comply with the recently inked United States Peru Free Trade Agreement. Government forces opened fire on thousands of indigenous people who had blocked a highway attempting to prevent extractive companies from taking advantage of new rules that made it easier to exploit the Amazon. The tragedy throws into stark relief (coughs) what is at stake during the current trade debate and emphasizes who these trade deals really benefit. Chilling cables from the U.S. Embassy in Peru reveal that U.S. officials were more concerned about cementing the FTA than the safety and self-determination of the Peruvian people. The promises made during the Peru FTA debate are the same ones being made as the House prepares to debate the Trans-Pacific Partnership. The U.S. government claimed the deal would improve labor rights and environmental standards. However, in reality... The Peruvian government has been weakening social protections in the last six years, particularly workers' rights. In Peru's main export sector, including agriculture and garments, employers take advantage of special employment contracts that allow for short-term contracts and reduce benefits. These arrangements push workers into poverty and make it virtually impossible to organize for better conditions. Labor relations have entered a historic low, with national strikes being held almost every week in key public and private sectors and workers facing harassment and retaliation for exercising their rights. The Peruvian government has proposed a series of labor reforms that reduce working conditions and benefits, allow companies to conduct mass layoffs, and weaken health and safety regulations. Some have been stalled only after mass protests, but others remain on the books, including a regulation that lets companies skirt discrimination prohibitions and target trade unionists, pregnant women, workers suffering from occupational safety and health in illnesses, and older workers for dismissal. The extractive industry not only is ignoring community consultation, and causing massive environmental devastation. It is also promoting waves of labor migration, promoting precarious, unsafe working conditions, and cracking down on workers who try to fight back. Mine workers recently conducted a three-day work stoppage, and work, excuse me, workers report that hundreds now have received notices of dismissal for exercising the right to strike. This is what could come here with uh, all those um, uh, laws in the, in the uh, Trans-Pacific Partnership. Mm-hmm. Labor rights in Peru have decayed since the FTA went into effect. Workers struggle with crushing poverty and an illib- inability to organize for fair share of the wealth created by increased exports, which is now in the hands of employers. Environmental advocates have been put down with force, and the needs of communities have been ignored in favor of devastating extractive practices. The people have suffered, but corporations have profited handsomely. And in the end is really what these deals are about. There is no reason to expect different results this time around. So you need to get involved, learn more about the fast-track process
2: and
0: how it's, pushing the Trans-Pacific Partnership, Obama's going to be able to work on that. Is well, really, it's really scary for uh, America. Yeah. Well, you know, this is, not, this is not one way that uh, I guess Obama
1: or some of his uh, people uh, 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 create work in the United States. Well, protesters went to Ferguson for a paycheck, Acorn, huh. and they are now angry that they're being they're not being paid. <laughs> yeah. It's folks. There we go. Remember old Acorn, right? hmm This is simply amazing. We kind of suspected that there was something else going on behind the Ferguson protests, but now, uh, but now do we have? But only now do we have absolute evidence that there were shady organizations paying for protesters to show up. How do we know? because those same protesters are angry that they were promised money and it hasn't been paid yet.
0: Personally, uh, I'd rather get paid $50 and eat lunch to listen to Donald Trump. Yeah, me too. Yeah, rather than protest, like uh, I don't want to protest yeah, 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 they're, they're just, and get, get shot or, yeah, you know, get jostled or arrested. I'd rather get arrested, Trump. clap for Donald Trump, and have lunch. <laughs> that sounds like a good gig to me. I wish yeah. you'd hire me to do that. Yeah, Trump.
1: Hire protesters with a Black Lives Matter movement are charted, started at a cut-the-check cash tag and held a sit-in at offices with a successor group for the Association of Community Organizations for Reform Now, or ACORN, in Missouri after the group uh, allegedly stopped paying them. Sure. Front-page magazine reports that Missourians organizing for reform and empowerment um, have been paying protesters $5,000 a month to demonstrate in Ferguson. Five weeks hired last week. Hired protesters who paid, who haven't been paid, held a
0: sit-in at Moore's office and protested a demand letter online. Moore is the rebranded Missouri branch of Acorn, which filed for bankruptcy in late 2010. Front page reported. Front page reported. Moore and other groups supporting the Black Lives Matter movement have received millions of dollars from billionaire financier George Soros. The group, Millennial Activists United, protested a letter on their blog demanding more cut-to-checks to demonstrators. Early in the movement, nonprofit organization More, formerly known as the St. Louis Chapter of Acorn and the local St. Louis Organization Organization for Black Struggle, created a joint account in which national donors from all over the world have donated over $150,000 to sustain the movement, the letter says. Since then, the poor black of this movement who served as cash generators to bring money into St. Louis have seen little to none of that money.
1: Here are some of the cut the check tweets that haven't been deleted. Uh, There's no infighting here. Lots of folks doing work and acting on conscience.
0: It's not fair that a group
1: of 20 get $50,000 for throwing a
0: tantrum. Cut the check. Anyway, it's uh, hmm. it's really sad. It's really sad. Well, people were suspecting that uh, people were paid to
1: be there. Oh, yeah. Chris Rock says, In America, if you fraudulently sell cigarettes, the cops uh, will literally kill you. But if you fraudulently sell mortgages, you will get a bonus. Uh-huh.
0: He's right about
1: that. Uh, well, we lie and scare you... A- about Obama coming after your guns. This is Ted Cruz, Jeb Bush, and Scott Walker. We are coming after your Social Security and Medicare. That's That's what the Republicans are saying. Texas establishes its own gold depository independent of the Federal Reserve. Texas is planning to build its own state-controlled depository and wants its gold back from New York State. The Lone Star State will repatriate it's $1 billion in gold
0: bullion. Why is it in New York State? I
1: don't know. We're going to find out.
0: It's sort of uh, odd. Yeah. Well, that's where the Federal Reserve is. Uh, Texas is planning to build its own state-controlled depository and wants its gold back from New York State. The Lone Star State will repatriate its $1 billion in gold bullion. Texas Governor Greg Abbott signed House Bill 483 into law last week. With the passage of this bill, the Texas Bullion Depository will become the first state-level facility of its kind in the nation, increasing the security and stability of our gold reserves and keeping taxpayer funds from leaving Texas to pay for fees to store gold in facilities outside our state. The location of the future depository is still unknown. According to the new legislation, legislation, neither the federal government nor any other entity would be able to demand the gold back once it arrives in Texas.
1: The depository, in case of receiving notice of purported um, confiscation, requisition, seizure, or other attempt to control the ownership uh, disposition, uh, or proceeds of the withdrawal, transfer, or liquidation, this is part of the thing, uh, the quasi-governmental authority, financial institution, or other persons acting as a lawful successor of the registered holder of a depository account in question. The bill was suggested by two Republican members of the House. and Texas uh, thus prevents an executive order in the style of executive order 6102, April 1933, which obliged people to give their gold bullion and coins to the Federal Reserve System. That ain't going to happen this time. Huh. Um, I told the Texas uh, newspaper Star Telegram that when I first announced this, I got so much email and phone calls from people literally all over the world who said they want to store their gold in their Texas deposits.
0: How about that? Yeah.
1: But anyway, it goes on. So, but, uh, you know, I can understand why they. They're afraid their money's being
0: uh, spent. Huh. This has been. Uh, I, I I'm. I know. It's. Uh, it's. Uh, uh, I'm gonna read something a, about a the night, specific partnerships. So okay, part, that you uh, can read that afterwards, because like this, this is this way. is more important. The president's trade deal struggles because it's bad policy. The. T- Trans-Pacific Partnership is a 12-country, NAFTA-style trade deal with two serious problems. Number one, it doesn't work, and number two, it's bad for democracy. First, everyone is in favor of trade. We can have good trade policy. That raises living standards. or bad trade policy, that works fabulously well for a few, but very badly for everyone else. More than any other policy... Trade policy creates winners and losers. For instance, pharmaceutical companies are the big winners. They expand patent monopolies, will cost everyone else billions. Nike is a winner because new investor protections will apply to its operations in Vietnam when Nike already exploits the lowest cost labor it can find on Earth. Electronics companies win big. Because they use components made in Malaysia, where 28% of the electronics <coughs> excuse me, workers are victims of forced labor. <coughs> excuse me. Financial companies can shield themselves from regulations. The opposite is, opposite is true for workers in the U.S. who would compete with imports from six TPP countries, where human trafficking, forced labor, and child labor. Fail to meet international standards. <coughs> Excuse me. Brunei, Vietnam, Peru, Singapore, and Mexico are in the bad category for labor standards, while Malaysia is in the worst category, according to the U.S. State Department evaluation. And these are where all these these uh, Asian treaties are, mm-hmm. are being made. Perhaps the TPP's greatest failure is is what is not in the deal. New jobs are not in the deal. Since NAFTA, we've heard false promises of millions of new jobs. In the real-life 21st century globalization, we've lost millions of jobs. A factory is closed in Indianapolis, but we don't reinvest the capital in our domestic economy. Instead, the capital and technology go to China. Investors win. Workers' wages stagnate. Now income goes almost entirely to the top, new income goes almost entirely to the top 1%. Since NAFTA, the U.S. trade de- deficit has been around $500 billion per year, a total of $11 trillion in economic activity that could have been performed by 4 or 5 million workers in the U.S. Instead, our bad trade policy encouraged that work to move elsewhere. Proponents of NAFTA-style trade deals promise we will share the gains from trade, raise labor standards, and protect the environment. Our lived experience tells us otherwise. Our U.S. trade representative has never enforced environmental standards. Peru violated the commitments for environmental standards and relaxed labor protections. It needed to qualify for the U.S. Peru trade deal. Peru keeps its favorite access to our markets. We ignore its violations, and workers in the U.S. lose their jobs. Honduras, Guatemala, and Colombia fall short on their commitments but suffer no meaningful consequences. TPP misses another huge opportunity to share gains from trade by ignoring currency manipulation. <coughs> economists tell us that trade deficits are resolved when currencies are dropped. Okay. Of course, when China, Korea, and Japan, and other countries manipulate their currencies, workers across the U.S. lose jobs to bad trade policies. Okay. Um, what I wanted to talk
1: about here is was a couple of things. Um, one is
0: two million
1: Hillary Twitter followers are fake, or people who never tweet. This is interesting. I, it's, uh, what I wanted to make it interesting is how, is how they build up these candidacies, You know, like, like uh, 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 Donald Trump hired hundreds of people that that uh, 50 bucks ahead to go and, uh, and uh, you know, clap the hands, clap, uh, yeah, root for him as the, you know, when he opened his campaign. Uh, yeah. yeah, and, and, and then and then others would do the same. But here, two more than two million of Hillary Clinton's uh, Twitter followers are fake or never tweet, and she al- already under. A fire for buying fake Facebook fans. Huh? How do you buy one? You know, how do you buy these guys? Uh, two different on uh, Two different online audit tools say no more than 44% of Hillary's 3.6 million Twitter fans are real people who participate in the platform. Twitter. And, yeah. The the new, minted presidential candidate is fending off accusations that her Facebook page is full of fake likes. Her her um, her Facebook fan base includes more people from Baghdad, Iraq, than any U.S. city. <laughs> when she was Secretary of State, her agency paid $630,000 to bulk up its Facebook likes, but pledged to stop after she left. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. Although Hillary boasts a robust 3.6 million Twitter followers, not even a vast right-wing conspiracy could be able to interact with 2 million of them. Um, uh, according to two popular online measuring tools, no more than 44% of her Twitter base uh, consists of real people who are active in using the social platform. Mm. And at least 15%, more than 544,000, are completely fake. <laughs> really? Stat- uh, statuspeople.com, the oldest publicity available, uh, publicly available Twitter auditing tool, Reports that forty-four percent of the former Secretary of State's followers are good, fifteen percent are fake, forty-one percent are inactive, meaning that they never tweet or reply to any tweet. And uh, let's see, Hillary Clinton's faker page. <laughs> so any, all of all of her pages are, are only forty-four percent of them are accurate. And so she's got uh, half of them, I guess. She's got Three million followers.
0: I did want to mention one, one part of the TPP. Yes. Yeah. It, endo- it endorses Malaysia's human trafficking, oh, yeah. blocks action on currency manipulation, and restricts our ability to deal with climate change. And that says a lot about whose interests are driving yeah. that policy. And it's corporate interests. It has nothing to do with individual workers.
1: Right now we got half a million workers that are in jail right now without a trial.
0: Where is that?
1: Right here. In our country. Four. Uh all kinds of stuff. Right now about four hundred and eighty thousand people are locked in American jails nationwide awaiting trial. Their median wait time will be sixty eight days. But for some it'll be much, much longer. At the notorious Rikers Island prison in New York, for example, some 1,500 people have been imprisoned for a year or longer without a trial. Another 400 have been there at least two years, and six prisoners have been waiting more than half a decade for their date in court. Oh, my God. The, yeah, the report issued by
0: prisonstudies.org
1: can be read here. Um, and it's pre world pre-trial imprisonment report. The um, worldwide. worldwide numbers are sobering, but the... The United States is definitely in the lead with some of the highest numbers of incarcerations in the world without a trial, and the total includes some 480,000 in the United States, 2250,000 in India, 195,000 in Brazil, 116,000 in Russia, 107,000 in Mexico, 70,000 in the Philippines, 66,000 in Thailand, 55,000 in Iran. 50,000
0: in both uh, Indochina and Pakistan. Well, this is, this is an interesting problem. While some of these prisoners may indeed be guilty of violent crimes, three out of four are low-level offenders accused of nonviolent infractions like drug possession or traffic violations. In other words, most of them aren't a danger to society. They just can't make bail. Bail is supposed to be affordable, to yeah, exactly. It's Afford. not it's not supposed to be made so that people can't get bail, but right. that's people have but they've, done, have that a, they've done that in this country, they've made bail yeah. uh, unreachable from for many, many people and that's why they languish away in jail waiting for their well, trial.
1: It says keeping half a million people jailed in pretrial costs about seventeen billion dollars annually. It can also assign life-altering consequences to relatively small mistakes of 68 days in jail. There's more than enough time to default on rent or wear an employer's patience thin, loss of home or job and, in turn, compounds taxpayer costs, making it far more likely than that defendants once released will require public assistance. Part of this article will publish it in the Week.com. So that's what's going on out there. We've got half sad. a million people that are, that are in pretrial without being charged for anything. That case is terrible. That's really terrible. Uh, well, there is RICO suit against Bill and Hillary. And, and their the foundation. foundation gets trial well, date. for
0: racketeering.
1: Yeah. And their foundation gets a trial date. Hmm. Let's
0: see
1: before I start this quick.
0: He must have really just tired of it. Yeah. not like
1: him to do
0: that. So, I or he's having a problem with his phone. Oh, yeah. That could be. You know, the phone yeah. is ringing, but there could be something wrong with it. There's many things that could happen. Yeah, it could
1: be. So, anyway, yeah. uh, we'll, you know, hopefully he might join us tonight. I don't know. But, uh, let's see. Uh, what I wanted to mention was this. Yeah. What meet- is
0: that Rico suit about? Let's let's go in yeah. and, and see. Yeah.
1: In the move that was so quick, it even surprised, it surprised even the plaintiff. Judge Donald Middlebrooks, Middlebrooks of the U.S. District Attorney for the Southern District of Florida, scheduled a January twentieth, two thousand sixteen trial date for the RICO lawsuit against Bill and Hillary Clinton and the Clinton Foundation. Stands for racketeering, influence, and corruption organizations, uh, corrupt organizations, and was originally created to enable the Justice Department to convict organized crime figures. Hmm. Larry Klayman, a former federal prosecutor, had just filed a lawsuit a few days earlier on behalf of the watchdog organization he founded, Freedom Watch. On Friday, Clayman told Newsmax TV host, Steve Malzberg, the suit alleges Clinton, while Secretary of State, used her position to influence foreign donors supporting the Clinton Foundation. It also accused Clinton's former Chief of Staff, Cheryl Mills, of lying about the existence of documents Clayman requested under the Freedom of Information Act, and the crux of this of the suit uh, revolves around Clinton's use of private email accounts and servers to conduct government business. My takeaway is we've seen only a fraction of those emails Clayton said he added that uh, he was very surprised by the speed with which Judge Middlebrook scheduled the trial, saying, "My takeaway is we've seen only a fraction of those emails, and Clayman said he intends to call." Both Hillary and Bill to uh, testify in the suit and have already requested that the judge seize Hillary's private email server. The Washington Examiner reported that Klayman wanted the server inspected. uh yeah, Clayman. Clayman. also asked the judge to order a neutral forensic expert to take custody and control of the private email server. Um, and uh, I and I'll say Judge Bill Brooks. Has not yet ruled on Clinton's request. The court has seized Clinton's server. He says, "I'm pleased that the court has set its case word as early as uh, July, uh, June. I'm uh, sorry, January." So anyway, that's that's uh, that's what's going on there, folks. There's more excitement everywhere. Huh?
0: What do you think, it? Interesting. Absolutely. Right. So.
1: So whatever you hear, this is. I thought this was kind of funny, but it says breaking news, something irrelevant to your life just happened, and now I'm going to blow it out of proportion for the days, for days to keep you distracted from what's really going on. <laughs> That's oh yeah. National news. Yeah. I don't know. Here's an interesting thing. Uh, natural cancer killer, raviola. Have you heard of that, love? No ten thousand times stronger than chemotherapy. It, it's a it's a fruit. Okay.
0: Natural huh. fruit. Um, yeah. Looks a little bit like kiwi. Know, well, kiwi has the, yeah, or a banana or it looks like a banana slice, doesn't I it? No, it's it's weird.
1: So it looks like a cucumber, it looks like a, yeah, a pineapple. Yeah. There's
0: all kinds of things it. So imagine that
1: some this is from uh natural cures at home remedies. Hmm. Uh it says uh Graviola. That's great to uh
0: G R A
1: B I O L A. Okay. Um, actually comes in caps. Wow. Uh, imagine if someone told you that his this is this that his doctor prescribed him medicine against colon cancer labeled with an extract of graviola. graviola. Huh. Of course you would not believe him since it uh, Cannot happen in controversial medicine, but conventional medicine. But it could, because the study conducted in 1996 proves that graviola ingredients, unknown um, moricata, even have are, ten, are even ten thousand times more effective than pharmaceutical drugs.
0: The study was conducted on graviola seed, where the fraction fractionation. Okay. Where fractionation obtained compounds, one of which is cis aniosin, had a selective cytoxic, cytotoxic activity on cancer cells of the, colon, of the colon. And it was 10,000 times stronger than the pharmaceutical drug adriamycin. Adriamycin is the trading name of the so, Rubicin. How it is known by the nickname of Red Devil because of the intense red color and the terrible side effects, including life threatening or even fatal ones, in damaging the cardiovascular system. Its lack of selective cytotoxicity, the ability to destroy only cancer cells but not uh but not the healthy ones is what makes adremamy sit so dangerous. However, it is the first choice in the treatment of various cancer types for nearly a half a century. However, uh, yeah, and
1: that that's regular chemotherapy. But the published study shows 10,000 times stronger efficient efficiency of the graviola seeds than the pharmaceutical cure for cancer. For these staggering results of 1996 onwards, little research has been done on the effect of the graviola against cancer. There um, There is a
0: study from 1999 which showed the effectiveness of graviola leaves against prostate and pancreas cancer, as well as another from 2012 that shows anti-tumor activity in liver cancer, but none of these studies have ever been as promising as that of the 1996 then in 2011, a study was published which revealed the promising research on the impact of graviola against breast cancer. The research has found that the extract from the graviola fruit suppresses the expression of Acon genes, genes that cause cancer, in cellular and animal models of breast cancer. Yeah, and one second, second, I'll just double check here just see if huh? yeah. and Something yeah, must have yeah. happened. Oh, yeah. The, okay. the on con gene, known as a receptor of epidermal growth factor, is usually too expressed in breast cancer, and its overexpression is associated with bad prognosis and drug resistance, making it an ideal target for the development of therapies. In this study, mice
1: that received 200 milligrams of uh, extract of globulin were killed per kilogram. A food in their diet for five weeks had significant reduction in protein expression and breast cancer. Yeah, that's good. So, anyway, this is, uh you only want to check this thing out, go to uh, Natural Cures and Home Remedies, that's on uh, page, and check out uh, Grav, G R A V I O L A, Graviola. Yeah. And then, uh, you can even get it in. Uh, You can get it in a capsule form.
0: Oh, good. Yeah. Uh, people yeah, are it's saying good against
1: colon cancer. Uh, labeled with an extract of medicine against colon cancer. Yeah.
0: Oh. I don't remember that. If, you want to, to if you want to, if you want to fix the economy, how about addressing mass incarceration? Let's yeah. see what this says.
2: A little audio here. We need to end mass incarceration now. Imprisoning large numbers of Americans is wrong. It's also racist. A person of color is more likely to be stopped by the police, questioned, and even arrested. Even if they've done exactly the same thing I've done, he or she is more likely to be convicted and sent to jail. It's also bad for the economy. In the big picture, today the United States has 5% of the world's population, but has 25% of its prisoners, and we spend more than $80 billion each year on prisons. There were fewer than 200,000 Americans behind bars as recently as the mid-1970s, but mandatory minimums. And Three Strikes Your outlaws, ballooned that number to nearly two and a half million today, despite widespread evidence that locking people up doesn't make us safer. Even though blacks, whites, and Latinos use drugs at similar rates, people with black and brown skin are more likely to be pulled over, searched, arrested, charged with a crime, convicted, and imprisoned. Here's how the economy also pays a huge price. A felony conviction can bar people from getting a student loan, a mortgage, even from voting. It might even disqualify them from getting a job. All of this means a lot of potential human talent is going to waste. We're spending a fortune locking people up who could fuel our economy and build strong communities. So what do we do? First, we need smarter sentencing laws and mandatory minimums and transform the way we treat people who enter the criminal justice system instead of just prisons and jails cost-effective alternatives to incarceration, like job training and mental health and drug treatment programs. Second, stop demilitarized policing and end discriminatory policing practices, such as stop and frisk and broken windows that target communities of color. Third, stop building new jails. Close some existing ones. States are spending more and more on prisons while cutting funding for schools. That's nuts. Finally, we need to ban the box Stop asking on job applications Whether you've ever been convicted of a felony Already, dozens of states, cities and counties Have passed bills demanding that employers consider what you can do in the future Not what you might have done in the past Instead of locking people up unjustly And then locking them out of the economy For the rest of their lives We need to stop wasting human talent And start opening doors of opportunity to everyone
1: I agree with him well, Hillary says the Bible is her biggest influence, yeah well, let's see why the Bible told her so. Former Secretary of State Hillary Clinton announced during a New York Times interview that the Holy Bible is the book that made her who she is today. If you had to name one book that made you. Who you are today, what would it be? asked the New York Times in a book interview review questionnaire. At the risk of appearing predictable, the Bible was and remains the biggest influence on my thinking, Clinton said. I was raised reading it, memorizing passages from it and being guided by it. I still find it a source of wisdom, comfort, and encouragement, she says. Well Clinton explained that she was a voracious book reader, uh naming uh, for multiple writers who made an impact on her. I got a pile of books stacked on my nightstand when I'm reading and hoping to get to soon, she said. So, anyway, the Bible was her biggest influence. Isn't that nice? This is from Jew News. Yeah. So, anyway, folks, oh, we're getting near the end of the show. So let's see if we get the um what we uh, uh um, I got some really interesting things FBI and broad campaign to disrupt ISIS in America uh, rest expected soon investigations underway in 50 states Do right, you know this guy is he is coming to get to you <laughs> WND alright um, the FBI is in the midst of a broad campaign to disrupt potential terrorists inspired by ISIS, with several arrests expected before July 4th, um, Washington officials told ABC News. The latest arrest that is part of this campaign came Saturday in New York, when a college student uh, thought al-Qaeda was getting soft and making efforts to prepare an explosive device for detonation, according to the FBI. Hundreds of investigations are underway in all 50 states. Many involve suspected ISIS supporters, authorities said. Yeah, I mean, this is amazing. Can you you believe that, Lala? I can. You guess so many of these idiot supporters of ISIS in this country. Uh, But um, it says, in the New York case, Omar Omar Shalab, who... Uh, accused of being an alleged fervent supporter of ISIS and offering to translate the terror group's propaganda into English, court's re, court records uh, pointed a tweet that read, "I fear AK could be getting too modern." Okay. Just yeah. so. So why treat your mouth any differently? Brushing along is less than half job, behind millions of germs. Uh, so. Okay. Uh, said that uh, they were getting too lax. He thought they were, yeah. Uh, 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 Instructions for a pressure cooker bomb were found on his computer, along with images of New York City landmarks and tourist attractions. What court uh, records called potential targets for a terrorist attack? So a allegedly expressed support for the attacks on the officers of the French satirical publication Charlie Hebdo and the attempted attack on a draw and profit cartoon contest in Garland, Texas. In roughly a month since two suspected ISIS supporters were killed in that attack, authorities have made at least five arrests of suspected ISIS supporters as part of that law enforcement officials tell ABC News. It's a broad campaign to disrupt potential terrorists encouraged by ISIS through social media. It's getting to be be interesting, folks. Really interesting what's going on out there. Beware, folks. Um, For those of you who are or maybe our, um Rush Limbaugh fans. Uh, I was sad to say that uh, it, 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 he's been on a major decline lately in his ratings nationwide. and He just got demoted again, which is kind uh, of too bad. But it says, uh, the good news for Rush Limbaugh, one month after being notified he was getting dumped by his Boston talk show radio host station, the talker has a new AM home in the city. The bad news is the station currently boasts a .6 rating, trails four non-commercial stations in the market, and becomes yet another big city uh, seller-dwelling outpost that Limbaugh is forced to call home. The the station WKOX is a type of bottom-rung affiliate that Limbaugh was rarely associated with during his helicon days as the king of radio. Okay, and um, let's see. Let's see. Uh, Limbaugh's ongoing margin, major market woes can be traced to his 2012 on-air meltdown over Sandra Fluke, where he castigated and insulted a graduate student for three days on his program, calling oh. her a slut and suggesting she post videos of herself having sex on the Internet. Fluke then, in the eyes of Limbaugh, was testifying before Congress in favor of contraception mandates of health care insurance. I remember when he went nuts on that. The astonishing Limbaugh monologues sparked an unprecedented advertiser exodus, which means selling his show has become a major lift for the affiliate. Uh, which means selling his show has become a major lift for the affiliate stations that pay a hefty fee for the right to carry his program. The Wall Street Journal has uh, reported for the millions of dollars in advertising revenue that Limbaugh's host station would lose because of the talker's stigma on Madison Avenue. There's still um, unfolding repercussions. Some key stations want out of their Limbaugh deals, and when those deals are up, nobody else is stepping forward to ink up the contracts with, with Rush. Here, what's, what, here's what happened in Boston, and it's become a trend. In May, WRKO announced it uh, wasn't renewing Limbaugh's program, and that with the host, uh, which meant the host would have to find a new home on the dial. No problem, right? Well, hoping hopping around to another affiliate isn't that unusual in the world of syndicated radio. What was unusual, at least for Limbaugh, was that no one other, no one other Boston station wanted to pick up his show. Years ago general managers lined up for this chance to broadcast Limbaugh's ratings every heavy weight show and jumped
0: whenever it became available
1: on the market. But now but no more. What rating issues is recent years what rating issue what ratings issues in recent years in selling the show to advertise becoming increasingly difficult, stations seem reluctant to pay a steep price for Limbaugh's program. Yes, but yes, Wimba's syndicator, premier radio, news networks, still pays the talker $50 million a year. Can you imagine that one? Well, hey. Yep. Wimba still gets $50 million a year. That is truly amazing. Yeah. I I don't know how these amazing.
0: people yeah. get paid so much money.
1: Boston, well, Who, where
0: they're is it coming from?
1: Line. Where is it coming from? Advertisers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, people, all those, all those radio stations that are paying to have them on. Yeah.
2: well
1: um, he's the corporate speak and they give him 50 million bucks a year. in Boston Limbaugh had to one cha- once again he bailed out by his corporate bosses formerly known as Clear Channel iHeart Media owns a syndication company that produces and sells Limbaugh's radio show iHeart Media also owns hundreds of radio stations wow so they were the ones that bailed him out hmm. huh. so with no takers in Boston iHeartMedia Media turned its lowly WKLX station scrubbed its Spanish language format and was put to a talk. Took 40 through the through the Spanish network. Oh. <laughs> yeah. With the lack of options for gaining syndication revenue from another broadcaster, dumping the extraneous 1430 format well it becomes the only clear option. Uh, oh boy! So they had to scrub the station in order to get him on. Hmm. Well, anyway, I'm sorry that uh our friend didn't show up, uh, Larry, but maybe we'll have mine next week. Um, we'll hopefully, I think wrong. but anyway. Uh, in the meantime, I guess that's about all the news that I I really have tonight. Uh, did you want to say anything more about it Well, I could. Well, I think this I think we could end with a funny with a funny quote. Uh well, the several Jeb Bush says, being raised by a single mom limits the possibilities of young people being able to live lives of purpose and meaning. And then you get got uh, Obama and, and Bill Clinton, both presidents, saying, oh, really, Jeb? Yeah. they were both raised by a single woman. And the last word is Donald Trump says, I deserve to be on debate stage more than some of these other zeroes. Donald Trump believes he's more deserving to be a a place on the Republican debate stage than some of the other zeros who are running. Mm -hmm. And with that, we will end and I show and say, you know, have a pleasant, uh, pleasant tomorrow. And uh, that's all I have to say. What do you think,
0: Lila? Anything else, Lila? You have a distinct voice. I recognize that. When you're talking about candidates and things and any information that you give, we all listen, Leo.
1: Oh, that's nice of you to say that. Mm-hmm. Oh, thank you. Of course, if, you know, I did announce uh, last week that I was running for president. Well, Lila, uh <laughs> will be my first lady, so I hope everybody enjoys
0: that. And, uh, you know, we, as we as far, as, go on our campaign trail. As far as having uh, Donald Trump. Who knows? He'll add some levity to the occasion. Yes. In fact. Because he'll, I'm sure he'll get into a knockdown drag out verbally with somebody. Oh, I mean,
1: he'll have a, a fun time. But anyway, They won't all
0: fit on the stage.
1: Probably <laughs> not. But uh, it'll be fun. Anyway. It, yeah, it'll be fun to see that kind of nightmare up there. But uh, have a good night, everybody. Wish you well. And uh, maybe you can join us tomorrow night. Good night, everyone. Good night.